Welcome to another episode of In Space with Chris Connor. I'm your host as always, and I have one of my favorite people, probably in the world up here. Um, you may you may know him for some of his for some of his work with uh, the Bird Rice over the years podcast. Um, you know, as an artist, dibbles and dabbles in a lot of a lot of different areas. But um, my dog and my former um, I guess I, I guess I wouldn't call it a coworker, but what do we call it? colleague? There we go, colleague with the collaborator as well. Collaborator, man, and we gonna we gonna get into a lot of that. But uh, this is my dog, Kevin Barrios. Um, Kevin, how are you, bro? I'm good. Uh, just staying busy, uh, trying to not feel the weight of all the heaviness of our sports teams in our city being terrible. Because I did the dumb thing and decided to get back into football like two years ago and I chose to get back into football when the Saints became absolute garbage again. Um, but I mean, I had season tickets during the Ditka era, so I've been through a lot worse than that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, life's good. I've been, you know, about to make two years with my new job and that's going really well. Uh, art stuff's going well. Um, you know, so I'm relatively happy, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, look, man. Um, Hey, I forgot my intro. You must know that first. Can't nothing and nobody fail what we trying to do and what we about to do. Second thing is, we got this game on our level. You understand what I'm saying? Appreciate that, baby. Um, but yeah, no, man. Um, so for those for those that aren't that aren't familiar, I know a lot of people know me as um, if if I'm not a part of uh the Bukru Mafia. Uh, I am a part of uh, Pelican's Twitter spaces. But before all that, I did a lot of writing, a lot of, a lot of writing articles, a bunch of different pieces. And Kevin, I call him one of my one of my favorite people uh, just because, man, when I first like started and was really trying to learn how to how to create, how to be creative and how to be me. Kev was one of the first people to be like, kind of like empower me, kind of tell me like, 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 yo, try this. This is what I do. I'm like this. I like that. He, you know, collaborated with me on stuff before we would even like w- when it was frowned upon. I remember we we put together when I was with the Pelican Debrief, we put together this entire this entire long list of questions. And then it was shot down. And then two weeks later, I was with the Bird Rights. Too hot for Debrief. Yeah, <laughs> but yo, man, like, like, yeah, but nah, nah, this is my dog, man. I, like, for those that that don't know, y'all gotta, y'all gotta look it up, man. We did, we wrote a, we wrote a movie together. We did a, we did a baller blocking review, like twenty years later. Um, the uh, well, not the movie, the the soundtrack, right? Well, uh, I did the movie. I kind of did the movie. You did the soundtrack, but also- yeah, okay, yeah. I still have that. I still have that. I gotta get that frame because I, I still have that in my um in my it's in my closet with it's that and a few other and the actual the actual magazine so shout out shout out to care for that but let's get it let's get into this team man um i mean before we go to that though i think we should also mention like uh because i think we'll talk about things that are relevant to these two pieces that the summer before david griffin was hired you and i wrote ah. uh pieces you know with candidates for general manager and candidates for uh head coach and i think you know some of the concepts discussed in that are things that we'll discuss uh going forward and today i would i would think yeah i see see you see you reminded me we did we did that and we before i do want to i do want to put before before the team the organization kind of kind of changed a lot a lot of the um arena in reference to like the music and some of the songs that you guys hear, we did a whole an entire entire article on different sequences of what happened throughout the game and what they should play versus at the time you were hearing Ric Flair at the free throw line, um, among a bunch of other things. Yeah, sorry. and that article is uh, uh, my uh. What do you call pin tweet? So if you ever want to read that one easy, you can just go to my Twitter. It's it's right there um, for review. It's still fun to read through, even though like 
a lot of stuff is referencing the old roster, but it's still, you know, fun. And it's good to see that the team kind of, I don't know if it was because of us or not, but they definitely have shifted more in that gear, which is great to see. So I got to give them props for that. Now, if they listen to us about personnel decisions (laughs) 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 and rotations, that's what we got to work on. So, so we were, we were, um, I was telling Kevin before we started, like, like I was going to do this show, like, um, solo, uh, but it was like, and then I was going to have an interview with Kevin separately, but I'm like, I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't make, doesn't make sense to do that. We just, we, we just do them together. And it's kind of funny because by the time, by the time this comes out, which probably be, probably Friday, Friday, um, the Larry Nance interview that we're having on spaces will have already have happened. And maybe it gets into a lot of um, whether you're on a positive side of how you view the Pelicans day to day or whether you're on a negative side and like what exactly in all like that really means, you know, Um, Kevin, what do you think? not even having a, to go deep into some of the things that have transpired on social media within talking about the team. What, what are some of the, some of the observations that you gather from people feeling as if a side is either too positive, too negative, too balanced. How do you view the, some of the, some of the things that have kind of taken place over the past two weeks? I mean, it's, to me, I, it's I guess I'm I'm a little bit unique in the way I look at sports. Like, um, I didn't grow up being into sports. Like, my grandfathers were into the Saints big time. Like, my one of my grand my my dad's dad like lived and died with the Saints every Sunday. My mom's dad knew the Saints were terrible, so what he would do is he would cheer for the other team while watching the Saints game, and then if the Saints won, he'd be happy too. But either way, his team won. <laughs> Like that was his loophole. Um, but my dad wasn't into sports. He was like more into like outdoors stuff, um, like canoeing and hiking and things like that. And I got into skateboarding and like subculture, like punk rock stuff, all that early. So like I wasn't really into sports. Um, so uh, to me, like I, I love basketball. Um, and I think that, maybe because I got into it later. Like I don't really, and I guess because of like my, my dad's very politically active and my sister is also like a diplomat. So like we have a very like politically active family and those things are like more important to me. So like, I don't get bent out of shape over something as trivial as sports to me, which doesn't like, again, I enjoy it and I understand why people kind of live and die with it. But at the same time, I think you have to like, realize like what's going on in our planet and specifically in our country and realize that that stuff is not that important not to get you know to the point where you hate somebody over it like it just it doesn't matter um so that's how i feel about it but i i mean i know it's hard to navigate that um but i mean fans are i mean a short for fanatics so i get it like it's a passionate thing um we adopt the team especially if you're like a person who is loyal to your home team, you know, it's just like pride in your city and it feels like it's part of you, something you grew up in. Um, so you're going to defend that to the death. Um, some people like get hurt by what the team does and like turns on the team and gets mad when people are too overly positive with it. And then other people, you can't even make like a fair judgment of something without them saying you're like attacking the the team and not a loyal fan and don't care as much about the team as they do uh, when you do it's just like you know it's like in a relationship if you ignore if you could be in love with a person but if there's problems that you guys need to work on uh and you just ignore them because like that's my person then you know it's unhealthy um so like this like blind I mean, I'm always against blind faith and blind love and not questioning things. I mean, I'm a very inquisitive person, like, you know, even though I was raised in a Catholic family, like I became an atheist when I was like 10 years old, because that's just how my mind works. I question everything. And I and I don't have much, uh, I don't see much value in blind faith and just like uh, accepting things as being right. You know, I question everything. 
Um, so, and I think it's, it's, I, I think it's, uh, I think that's, to me, that's the way to be. Um, I'm not saying like you shouldn't be religious or anything. Don't get me that that's fine. But, um, I think you shouldn't just accept things as the way they are and just, um, and when somebody questions something or points out something that they have definitely data to prove, then you shouldn't attack them for being like too negative. It's like being analytical and trying to solve problems. And that's something that interests me is how to solve problems. I mean, the, my, you know, I, I went to art school and the graphic designer. So graphic design is solving problems uh, visually. And that's kind of, you know, like I want to solve problems. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to even admit there's a problem, how are you going to solve it? Even if you can't physically solve it in your position, obviously, none of us know, we all know that we can't actually solve or change anything. But, um, you know, it's discussing and analyzing and looking at paths that things can take. And ironically, a lot of the things that people raise in your spaces and in articles, like, like, unfortunately, it takes the team like three months to sometimes make that change. But when they do, it works, you know, and it's like, well, we had all this evidence. Um, so we'll see. But um, I mean, like at the bottom, at the end of the day, my main thing is like, don't hate another fan because they have a different viewpoint. It's like it's just it doesn't none of this really matters, you know? Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. Right. We all want the same thing. Like at the at the end right. of the day, we all want the same the same thing. The the process, my process might be different than yours. How, you know, I believe the team, what, what I believe the steps the team should take may, may be different from yours. But at the end of the day, we all want the team to, to succeed. We want the team to win. We want the team to win a championship. We want the team to, um, you know, not be, you know, last year it was simply to, to, to just not be looked at as a poverty franchise. I mean, like, like um, and you could that pride can come from a lot of different places, whether you just love basketball, whether you, whether you love the city, um, you know, wh whatever, whatever it is, or, or a little bit of both, we all want the same, the same result. And that's what's so interesting and so frustrating sometimes because, yo, know, I mean, just because if I, you know, if I get on and I say, yeah, you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't like that shot or I didn't, or I don't like how to, how to, how the roster is, is constructed or I don't, you know, maybe um, this wasn't a good decision or even if this was, you know, uh, or or you know, I think that the, the team should upgrade certain certain areas regards to talent. That shouldn't be even viewed as negative. Maybe it's um, you know, objective. Maybe it's just a different opinion. And if it's if if that's what it is, then that's fine. If we can, if we don't agree on on this player or that player, what we see or what we're currently watching, we shouldn't. I, I mean, we shouldn't. I'm totally fine with another entire human being watching the same game. And us seeing different things totally fine mm -hmm. everybody shouldn't have to think the same everybody shouldn't yeah. have to be shouldn't have to we shouldn't have to be in a um you know on on either side of you know of the fence or be labeled as such based off of an opinion end of the day everybody wants anybody that's having these discussions they all want the pelicans to be good and like i just don't get how it goes beyond that premise so often yeah. I mean, the thing is, the team is not good right now. You, yeah. you can't say it's good. And so you you if you don't see flaws in the team and don't point them out, then like I mean, or if you do point them out, how can you be attacked for it? Because there's evidence that this it, what what we're doing right now isn't working. Um, and, you know, you could say, oh, well, Zion's out. And yes, of course, that will fix a lot of problems. But at the same time, this is the same exact team that went on a nice run last year that we felt very positive about towards the end of the year with the additions of now having um, Dyson Daniels uh, and uh, now um, you got rid of Devontae Graham and you have uh, Josh Richardson. So mm -hmm. it's a better team. It's really a better team than what we had in the playoffs. I mean, obviously today we have a lot more injuries happened. But um, but it should be better than it is. And what you're seeing is not really acceptable in terms of uh, rotations, offensive identity, defensive effort, um, things that you saw greatness out of towards the end of last season and in the playoffs. So one of the um, 
one of the topics that fall under this this umbrella of whether or not um what side of i guess perspective you fall on um a part of the fan base when watching this team right now is willie green willie whether or not uh some some believe willie green is um overachieving some look at it as that he's in his second year as a as a as a coach and it's going through growing pains some may say um his staff is flawed some may point at it's not his, it's not his staff at all like give him an opportunity to pick his own staff there's there, there's a side that will point to us not knowing exactly how much he's responsible for and then there's just some that that will point at some of the things that that, that they view tactic tactically that he does maybe they question him as a as a, as a motivator or x's and o's whatever the case may be and just feel like he's just not a good head coach or at least a a head coach that is going to be a part of a winning team for multiple years. Kevin, how do you view Willie Green um, as we stand today? Well, I mean, when he was hired, I said that he was put in a terrible position. And the the reason is, and I, and I like him, don't get me wrong. And I want him to succeed. But like, I always felt like if you go back and look at the articles we wrote, when we're looking at the kind of coaches we want to hire, my idea was you turn the roster completely over. There's no need for continuity. Bring in somebody that's going to be young and I, because you had a young team, a culture builder kind of guy that you bring in, which is what Willie Green is, that the players relate to and develop that culture. And then the idea is you would give them three years, right, to see if he grows into like a, a really good game manager, a tactician, a guy who is a great X's and O's guy. If he doesn't, he did the, the work that you needed to start with and laying in the foundation of the ident- team identity, the culture, and then you replace him with that guy that comes in and takes him to the next level. That's like the X's and O's and, and, um, and really great game manager kind of tactician type of guy. And, because we wasted two years with Alvin Gentry and um, Stan Van Gundy, he gets brought in and has to kind of immediately win and not really have that time to grow, especially after they made the trade for CJ and they made that run last year. Now it's like the expectation is, you know, this is a, a team, like some people were saying that, you know, they're a title contender, you know, I, I pegged them at 46 wins, um, you know, which is obviously more than they're going to get this year. Um, but you know, everybody had high hopes and there was a lot of expectation from him and he hasn't had that chance to really be able to grow as a coach. And again, like you said, I don't know how much input he's had on his own staff. And you had a guy like, uh, Mike D'Antoni as a advisor, but I can tell you because I see Mike D'Antoni whenever he's in town through my job and he hasn't been in town in forever. So like, you know, and you see this team just have no offensive identity. Uh, for some reason, Willie Green is like completely opposed to playing a true point guard. And I know we don't really have true point guards on our roster per se. Like Zion is like kind of like, you know, when everything's right, everybody's healthy. Zion is kind of your point guard because he's the guy with the ball that's going to, everything's going to create off of him. Now, you can't, as we have seen, you can't count on that because you can't count on Zion playing games, you know, like it's just, you know, and I'm not trying to shit on Zion here, but like, you know, he's kind of like your summer camp friend, you know, whereas like you go to, I mean, I was too poor to go to summer camp. So this is all just hypothetical. Right? <laughs> so, so in my, in my romantic, uh, romanticized version of summer camps, you go to summer camp, there's some kid from another city that you see every summer at the summer camp that y'all are super bros, hang out, have the greatest time of your life for three weeks, and then you don't see them for the rest of the time. You know, yeah. So you enjoy that time when you have them, but you can't like build your team identity totally reliant on that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, right now, I would say Kyra is like, the closest thing to a pure point guard that we have on the roster. And when he gets time, he shows flashes. I mean, at least he penetrates and creates pressure on a defense and then kicks out and creates that way, um, creates offense that way. 
but um, nobody else is doing that. Um, you know, you, you get a little bit of it with Jose, but Jose is more of a change of pace kind of guy. Mm. And, uh, and then, you know, other things that you see problems with the offense. I'm sorry if I'm sort of losing the plot here, but right. you have, you have uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who's this great post scorer, and they just refuse to give him touches. And, and the, and it makes, everybody turn on Jonas because he's not a defender. He's a, he's a solid rebounder, but he's not a defender. And if you're not getting him the ball, then you're not like maximizing his minutes. You're not getting him engaged, getting him to play a little bit harder defensively. And and like, look, he's giving it all out there. He's playing hurt. He's the only guy that's playing all the time. He's got the weight of the world on him basically, but they're not rewarding him with touches. So if you're going to do that, then it's time to change your philosophy at center and just go get a rim running defensive screen setting center. That's going to do those things um, that, that you're trying to make Jonas do, which isn't what he does um, because there's no point in having him out there because he just becomes a net negative because you're not letting him offset his deficiencies with his offensive ability. Um, So there's just a lot of like weird things happening and I don't know, like, and it just, it like, this is what it feels like to me. It feels like Willie Green spent way too much time with Monty Williams. You know, a lot of the bad side of what we had out of Monty Williams when we were here, a lot of the bad habits is the same things that Willie Green's doing. Um, and, you know, you, and again, in that situation, it was like, they did that. They hired a guy like Monty Williams uh, to be the culture developer. And then the plan was, okay, he can't take us to the next step. So we're going to get somebody else. Unfortunately, they hired the North Turner of the NBA and Adam Gentry. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, so it didn't work. Um, but the philosophy was right, in my opinion. Um, although I hated the Gentry hire when it happened. Um, I knew that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so we're just in a spot where Willie Green has all this pressure and doesn't have room to grow. So people are turning on him um, and it's really not his fault because he was put in a bad position. And one thing that I think is really weird, I'm going to let you jump in right after this, but one thing that I see a lot that I think is really weird is you see these people calling for Willie Green's job, which, okay, fine. If you think he's not the right person for the job, but they don't think that David Griffin should be fired. And I just think, like, how can you call for a, allow a guy to fire three head coaches in four years and have no winning records to show? Because even last year, we didn't have a winning record. Um, you know, like you look back at the, you go back and look through the numbers of the Dell Demps era. They're better than this era. And we have a way more talented roster, which you could say is a, a boost to um uh, to David Griffin, sure, they, they got a better roster, but they, they refused to fix the obvious glaring problems. There's no rim protector. There's no creator. There's no shooting. Um, you know, so I just don't see how if you're calling and I'm not a person who's calling for um, Willie Green's head. I mean, I would I'm not going to be mad if they do fire him and go in another direction because we are underperforming. But I don't that's not to me the answer. I think the answer is to beef up his staff with with better people um, that could be in his ear and create better schemes. But um, if you are calling for Willie Green's head, I don't see how you're not calling for David Griffin's head. Yeah, and you know that's a that's a very very good point, uh, Kev. Because and the, the the interesting thing about that is that what's what goes around or what's or what's said about the whole Willie Green hire. And part of this we know, right? Like Willie wasn't David Griffin's first choice and either was the previous hire in Stan Van Gundy, right? So, you know, it's, it's now we saw last year, you know, his, even with players, first, second choice is not being, saying no, turning, kind of being blessing in disguises, right? With Kyle Laurie, Laurie, you know, saying no, yeah. guys like, you know, maybe Malik Monk, even though I, I, I like Malik Monk as a player. Tim yeah, Hardaway Jr. Maybe you know what I mean, but that but but those are just some some examples. And with coaching, you know, they, you know the 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 rumor has been um, is that uh, 
David Griffin. Well, David Griffin didn't even want Willie. Um, you know, Charles Lee was his guy, right? Uh, Jock Vaughn would have been would have been his guy, and there was some some reasons in regards to maybe how David Griffin, um, just how the front office is structured with maybe his hand being in a little bit of everything, and to why Jock Vaughn wasn't a, wasn't the coach of the Pelicans. I don't know what's true, what's false, but I but, but I, we both heard right. those stories. Um, but regardless, whether whether it was Griff's first first choice, second choice, or not, whether it was the you know the guy he ultimately would have would have wanted to bring in. Um, yeah, man, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, it sucks because the organization in total, you know, you have a lot of you have a history as an organization that's, that goes back before David Griffin of just not being able to have consistency within the building um, outside of the right commitments. It's just been a been a bunch of, um, you know, just just rough, rough patterns and change and so on and so forth that. Yo, you bring in Brandon Ingram, bring in Zion. You want to finally have the opportunity to give those guys something that they can, you know, consistently look forward to each year. Some level of familiar faces, especially at the leadership positions. I mean, you know, I, I know when Brandon until Willie, I, I think Willie Green's the first coach that Brandon has had first head coach that he's had back to back seasons. You know, um, that's big. Right. You know, Zion goes from. Alvin to stand and didn't play for Willie until this year. So I get it. But if you're Griff, if you're the front office, um, like you mentioned, never be Griff. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like you mentioned, there were things that they were, there were weaknesses or perceived weaknesses, even when trying to keep this thing together. And I totally understand why you, why they did it. I get it. Everything was going, was going in your direction. You probably weren't weren't going anywhere um, without a healthy Zion or Brandon CJ combination. Anyway, the vibes were right. There was some happiness. There was some excitement. Everybody was off of your back. The fan base was tied in. A bunch of a bunch of guys that come in with good stories, and that's great. Um, and I get why you why you continue with that. And hey, you know, for a period of time with with the healthy Zion, even while Brandon was out, you know. It looked it looked fantastic. It looked better than I would have ever imagined. At no point did I think that th- that this team, um, even firing on, on all cylinders, would be first in the West for a few days. I I wasn't sure if they could be that good. I, I thought maybe third, maybe fourth. That that's why I kept seeing third, fourth. Yeah. You know, out, outside of the play-in. Well, now they're here, and it points back to things that even through through some of the good stories and so on and so forth, is pointing at the glaring weaknesses that you would have liked to be addressed. Shooting. Added shooting is one of them, and like you said, uh, you know that that center position, man, it's just it's con- continued to be a problem uh, for years now, and it, it it's compounded by mistakes or head scratching decisions that are made, even with the guys that you have. Just committing to something and someone, but based mm-hmm. on what you have and not running others into the ground. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I mean, you know, we all know that. Jackson Hayes is not ready to be a rim protecting center and he doesn't seem to have a future with this team. Um, You know, I would say I would put the chances of him being back next year at like 10%. I mean, based off of like just his playing time, the whispers about how they feel about his approach to practice and preparation and um, you know, off, off the court stuff. And I, and just, you know, things we hear. Um, so like the fact that they didn't do anything to get him off the roster again, you know, not being able to turn that into something else, uh, at the deadline, we're going through the same thing with Lonzo. Well, obviously Lonzo ball was even more of a, was actually a valuable asset. Jackson, you would have had to probably pay something, but his salary would allow you to get a nice player with a, with some added stuff on from like a team like San Antonio or Charlotte or somebody like that. That's, you know, mailing it in because he's not a long-term commitment comes off the books and Hey, maybe they like him wherever he goes. Then, you know, it's like a guy you take a flyer on because of his athleticism. Um, but, and look, maybe years down the road, he gets his shit together and like learns how to play basketball and becomes a, uh, you know, like it happened with Jim Vale McGee, you know, he was a joke forever. And then he became a solid veteran that 
gets minutes. You know, he never became a star. Right. But he's a he is a valuable guy. And that's kind of like what I think is the best case scenario for Jackson. Um, I don't really know what JaVale was like off the court or in the locker room, but what I know of what Jackson Hayes is, I have a lot less faith in him becoming that. Um, but um, we'll see, you know. Um, but again, like, you know, it, it's like every year there's like, a mistake that just constantly comes back to haunt you, you know, like they always have to pay for these mistakes. And, and, you know, it's, they could have had Darius Garland instead of Jackson Hayes. They could have had, um, uh, what's his name? Hunter, uh, you know, instead of Jackson Hayes, you know, um, and they could have had, you know, then you have the Steven Adams thing. Then you have the Devonte Graham thing. Luckily they were saved from themselves with the Kyle Lowry thing, but like, you know, you see these things that are just troubling from this team, like from the from the front office. You know, there's there's some great things that they did. Trey Murphy's great. I'm high on uh, Dyson Daniels. The C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance trade was fantastic. Um, I feel like a lot of people give a ton of credit to Griffin for the Anthony Davis trade, but I feel like that was kind of like just yeah. like this is what's happening. You know, you don't really have right. to do that was already sort of negotiated basically um the drew holiday trade was okay i mean it's fair enough uh you could have got something better but then you look at like those decisions where like that year you coming out and saying that drew holiday is going to be an mvp candidate and like if you know drew holiday like you don't want to put that kind of pressure on him he's not that kind of player you know and 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 so like there's just like um, there's always like these mistakes that we're making up for and that like I said like the hits are overshadowed a bit by the misses um, you know Zion obviously is was like anybody would have drafted Zion one so yeah and he he's a phenomenal talent um, you know we all know that there was there was like a rough patch there that things weren't looking good in terms of like his commitment to the team like the cj mccullum trade kind of saved that um and so that was great for that but then again you know are we looking at a guy who's going to play 30 games a year you know i hope not but that's basically what we've seen so far you know um so if that's your biggest success is getting 30 games of phenomenal play Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how how great you can say this tenure has been, you know, um, and it's four years now and we haven't had a winning record yet. We won't have it this year. Um, so, uh, you know, I was never a Griffin fan, but I just so maybe I'm biased, but and I look more to the negative side of things. But like I'm a person who doesn't want to be proven right. I want to be proven wrong. Like. You know, like I'm happy to say I'm wrong about something if, if like somebody's better than I thought or somebody's worse than I thought. Like, you know, obviously I was high on Nikhil and look, Nikhil has had moments like he looks I mean, he's to me, he's a, more of an NBA player than Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Um, and I think he'll be in the league longer. But, um, you know, he's not what I thought he was going to be. Yeah. But, um, you know, like it. I'd be happy if they if they turn it around, obviously, because it's a team I want them to be good. I don't care if my opinion was right or wrong. I want them to be good, but I just don't feel like I just feel like it's a problem at the very top that trickles down uh, through everything. Um, and I just, you know, you hear the whispers from other people that have worked with him in the past, you know, throughout the league that he's just like a guy that people don't like, you know. And when you have a boss that people don't like, it affects everything, you know, and I just don't think that he's the right person for this city, for this team. And I don't think, you know, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying fire him because I don't I don't know if that's the right answer, but I just wish they would have gone in another direction from the beginning. I think we'd be in a different situation. Um, But we'll see. I mean, I don't know. How, How do you feel about David Griffin right now? Um, yeah, you know, I view anybody that takes the Pelicans job and it's their, you know, they're, they run the day-to-day operations. I, I, I don't, not even just like the market necessarily alone, 
Um, I'm, I'm happy with some of the advancements that the, that the organization and the city has made to try to improve um, some of the, just the overall, I guess the border of the, of the team, the little, the little nuances that make uh, sports franchises fun, successful, um, marketable, so on and so forth. I think it's tough because, you know, you are, you're walking into a situation like it, it, it takes a certain type of individual. You walk into, into a situation where teams only made the playoffs or in their 20 years, they've only made the playoffs consecutive years twice. I think mm-hmm. trying to make that happen this year. And it could be, it's a possibility that you can do it with back to back losing records. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I think you are, it, it's a, it's a long history of just failure, a failure, confusion superstars leaving and whatever guy you choose no matter what they have to have they have to feel part of the pressure of 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 feeling like they're changing everything they're changing you know it's 20 years that this kind of on their back of trying to that fan that a fan base has carried that a community has carried and it's your job to change it and save it all and maybe maybe grip took that took that responsibility in that in that way maybe coming in off of off of um you know what i think it was a year removed or two years removed when he took the job from winning a championship. Um, you know, he thought that that would, that would carry him in a lot of different ways and, 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 and overcome maybe some of the things that the, that being a part of the Pelicans, you know, f- from a resource perspective, you don't have, I don't know. Um, but I think that there were a lot of leaps and a lot of misses, you know? And I, I think overall, I look at it like this. January of last year, December, we were talking about him and Alvin Gentry getting getting into it. Uh, you know, allegedly, we were talking about, you know, how far is he away from being from from really being fired? And then, listen, things things changed, right? Brandon Brandon um, started started to play really really good basketball. You know, some of the best, arguably the best of his career. You got some really good. Um, contributions from a lot of role players and the young players that I do want to talk about before we get out of here. And now, no, now the narrative has changed, but if you had to grade the entire tenure, you know, I mean, a C, a, a B, you know, a, a B minus. Cause yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if B minus is fair. It's probably C. It's probably incomplete because. Yeah. You know, I think it's hard to go over a C because I mean, yeah. you don't have a winning record to lean on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in any season. season. Right. And there were things that I think, you know, we talk about a lot of things that couldn't be controlled from health to um, just the type of players that you put that you put together and your development and who you drafted and so on and so forth. And the efforts that they put in as as individuals. But each year it felt like there was something that we talked about that said that probably needs to be addressed. And you ended up paying for it at some point. And that's outside of, yo, I mean, you did, you know, Jackson Hayes didn't work. And Kyle Alexander Walker didn't work, right? Um, you know, right, right now, you know, Kyra Lewis hasn't worked. Health, you know, health is one side of it, you know, surely, but all in all, it didn't work. People are now questioning, you know, they're questioning if Dyson Daniels will work. That's just that's tough. And yeah, you hit on her. I think you hit on Trey Murphy personally. Jose Alvarado was a was was a great addition. I think EJ Liddell is gonna be something, something for this team. Yeah, we'll you got Carlo, we'll see. But it's just it's hard to really grade it because it's so much. Yeah, I mean, how can you give it anything beyond that when you look at the head coaches that have, like you mentioned, you know, you know that are out, no, no winning records, people not not wanting to still to still sign here, and just so much so much confusing, and that kind of leads to the leads to where we're next, where we're going to next, and with the young talent. So, um, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones. Jose Alvarado, Kyra Lewis, Dyson Daniels. That's you can count Jackson Hayes, but I won't for now. I I won't. I don't but, think he's a, has a future on the team. And Kyra might not either, but we'll see, right? But you know, you look at you look at that that group, and um, it's been it was a it was a fun ride last year. This year has had its ups and downs. Some really really high moments have been a roller coaster. Some high moments, some you know some low lights. Um. But it's been a lot of pressure on them, especially when the team is starting starting to lose because teams are forcing night to night some of these young dudes to beat them, right? They're they'll live with Herb Jones jump shots. 
Um, they've changed they've changed the way that they've defended Trey Murphy. And on defense, they're going to try to put him in as many motions as they can to see if he's able to um, to react properly. And then that's outside of the rebound and so on and so forth. Jose Alvarado, his bigger matchups, hit or miss, but he also had a 38, 38-point game. He's had some – we know what he provides from energy. And unfortunately, right now, is the only the only point guard – I mean, before he got hurt, hope he heals up soon. But the only real point guard that you had that you've been playing um, – and then there's Dyson Daniels that um, I don't even know if he was supposed to how much he was supposed to play. But what I think would have fit him best in regards to him making the, the best contributions consistently hasn't been available, which is which is him playing around other stars to where he can truthfully be a connector versus people viewing him as just the ace pick in a draft that has to give you something which his flaws offense like defense isn't going to win him from the average fan. It's not going to win him the applause to say um, Ben Mather and type performances would give you. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious what you think about the young guys that are, that are left here. What do you think about their development and how do you think it, what do you think, what do you do with all these individuals going forward? Who stays, who goes, who develops mm-hmm. who doesn't. Yeah, I think you gotta look, you gotta kind of look at uh Trey, Herb, and Dyson as a cluster. And you gotta decide which two of those you're gonna keep. Um, because you can't pay all of those, all three of those guys, and I think they're you know, those guys play a similar role. Um, they're they're different, but their body types and their athleticism and stuff like that dictates kind of how they'll be used. Um, and, you know, because you had to pay her, you're going to have to pay her earlier at, because he's a second round pick. And because he, now look, in a perfect world, I'd love to keep all three of them. I wish we would be a tax paying team and could do all that, but you know, we're not going to be that. And I understand why we're not that because you can't get over 500, you know, like um, why be a t- tax paying team if you can't be a winning team, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, you know, at the deadline, I, you know, there was talks of the, you know, trading for OG and, you know, um, John Collins and all these guys. And if you had to give up one of those young guys, to me, the one you would have given up would be her be- just because he hasn't shown the offensive development that you would like to have seen so far. And because you have to pay him sooner, you know, um, yeah. whereas, you know, Dyson, I think when you see him play, his defense is basically the same level as her uh or close to it you know and he's much younger and he's a he's a first round pick so he you have that contract the easier to navigate contract plus you know he's a rookie this year so you definitely have more years um so i think he could replace what herb does defensively while also give you that great playmaking that passing ability that he has and i think he's a better rebounder than herb as well um, and, but neither of them are scorers at this point. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think Dyson has flashed some like nice, like touch floater stuff, uh, at moments, the shots, you know, not there, but you know, he's nine, was he 19 now or yeah. is he, yeah, he's 19. Um, so I think, you know, that still can be improved. I think Trey has the ability to be a superstar in the league if it all clicks right. So to me, he's the untouchable one, unless you're talking about, you know, getting like a Kevin Durant or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's the only way you like move Trey, because I think he's so versatile. He could play, you know, easily play three different positions for you. Um, He's like, I say he's kind of like if you took young Robert Ori, um, uh, Chris Mullen and Josh Hart and combine them divided by three and added a couple of inches, you get Trey Murphy sealed. You know, he has that shooting ability. Crazy. He has the athleticism, the crazy athleticism that young Robert Horry had. And even Mullen had some pretty good athleticism. Um, and at, Mullen had a pretty good handle. Trey's got a decent flashes of a nice handle. Um, and then he he rebounds and he has that, that like intangible, like sort of grit that Josh Hart had. Um, so... I mean, I I would definitely I'm super high on Trey, and I just love uh, his personality, his vibe, his family, all that stuff. 
all the stuff off the court is incredible and just the um the potential that you see in him and even like even in his low points he's still contributing um and you know he's a young guy i mean i know he's an old he's an older rookie but he's still a young guy who is needs development um and he needs more consistency but i but he's also done little favors because he was like sometimes the only guy who can shoot on the court at times and um that's a lot of pressure on him um but i'm super high on him uh and then kyra you know i you know he he's a big question mark like i didn't really like the pick when we picked him um i do think that you know like i said center and point guard have been the huge holes of this roster for four years and so like yeah get why they took kyra um but I didn't necessarily like the pick where it was at. Um, but he showed me some stuff. And uh, unfortunately, injury and coaches' decisions have limited what we have seen from him. So I have like, really no idea how good he can be and how much of a contributor he can be. Hopefully, they're forced to play him now. But I still don't have a lot of faith in that happening. Uh, just you know, because we haven't seen it, you know, and, but when he's in there, he looks good. I mean, he, he's, like I said, he's collapsing defenses, putting pressure on defenses, kicking out, and he's been efficient scoring. I mean, it's super limited sample size and usually in garbage time. So it's hard to really gauge how much that translates to like giving him a bigger role. Um, But, you know, whereas before this season, I was kind of more inclined to like move him if somebody like wanted a younger player in a deal for like something more, uh, you know, like if we are improving the center position or getting more of a veteran point guard or something like that. Uh, like what Boston now, did when they traded Neesmith to get, well, in part of a deal to get Brogdon. What's that? I said like what like what Boston did when 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 Neesmith was one of the two. I think oh, yeah, was, yeah. yeah, you know, was in the Brogdon deal. And he was drafted. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like if he was a piece that got you, like, you know, I, you know, I mean, I didn't think that adding, like, I wouldn't have been mad if they traded for OG Ananobi. To me, that wouldn't have solved our problems. Right. It would have gotten us a better player, you know, a better player now for sure than what we have. But I don't think it fixed the holes in the, in the thing. But if they, if like, Toronto was like, we need two of your young players and you're giving them Herb and Kyra. I wouldn't have been mad. You know what I mean? And then whatever picks were involved. But um, I I kind of want to hang on to Kyra just because we I looked down the bench and there is no point guard and he's the closest thing to a point guard on the roster. So without getting another point guard, I'm hesitant to move on from him. Um, so, and, and like I said, I think he's like shown some stuff, especially like, the few minutes lately that he's gotten since he's come back from injury. Um, you see the speed, obviously um, the shots like been pretty good. Uh, and then the pressure he creates is, is solid. Uh, it's something you can work with and build an offense off of because we don't see an offense running right now. You know, you see no spacing, no movement, no ball movement, no player movement, um, no pick and rolls. Like, you know, it's just, it's basically, B.I. being like, you know, he's like Joe Burrow, like throw, throwing a Jamar Chase, but the basket is Jamar Chase. You know, it's like, fuck it, he's down there somewhere, you know, like <laughs> just throw it up. And luckily, luckily it's been going in a lot, but like it hasn't translated to wins, but it's not making anybody else's job easier. It's not making his job easier. Um, and B.I. is an incredible player. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not down on him, but I just think there's no system in place. Um, so it's just it's just troubling that, you know, and it's hard to evaluate players uh, because there is no offense that I can identify. I mean, I'm not the biggest X's and O's guy. I'm more of like, I can feel when a guy's like a good basketball player. I, I'm not great at like analyzing play runs, you know, like Shamit's great at that. Grubb's great at that. Um, and Ollie's great at that, but that's not like my forte. I just kind of can see the intangibles in a guy and the potential in a guy and their body build and stuff like that and get understand their feel for the game. But like 
I'm looking at what we're doing and I'm like, I don't even understand what the plan is. Like, I don't see a play. And the other thing that's so crazy to me is like, we have like, I, it seems like forever that we cannot inbound the ball. (laughs) And also, and this has been, this goes back to Bonnie Williams time when a Pelican has to pick up his dribble no one will go over to help him out and it drives me insane and i don't know like how those two simple things have not been corrected in like 10 years you know it's it's, it's crazy that it goes that it um travels to to different uh front office structures and different coaches yeah. like, like i mean different roster yeah like, I, i'm nervous about anytime they got an inbound on the ball somebody got got to go up to make a free throw at the end of the game I, i'm i'm always um, I'm always nervous there, but yeah, man, the Kyrie thing is so, so interesting and a little frustrating because I'm with you. I, I remember early, even dating back to like that first Laker game, cause he didn't play really in the second one or he, he didn't play meaningful minutes when the game was close. Um, but well, no, not the first Laker game, the second Laker game, the one where they break the, um, the losing streak on. And I remember, you know, the minutes that Kyra, you know, played there, I remember saying, Oh, those were solid. Kyrie minutes and mm-hmm. I, a few I but I saw down my timeline like get Kyrie out of here such and such and I was looking at him I was like no I was like I I like the little thing because with when you're that kind of athlete I think like mm-hmm. when you're blessed with that kind of speed and quickness and that first step you know a lot of things you know with Kyrie is the it's it's between the ears it's the mental aspect it's the game slowing down for him it's slowing down at the rim being able to finish wanting to attack those things the floater all of those, you know, all of those situations, because athletically, you know, he's even with with a healthy team, he's the best option you have at point guard. He just right. is. Totally. And, yeah. you know, and I think he's he's made the most of those of those minutes, even dating back to, I think, his last the last time he played meaningful minutes dur- during a game was the Oklahoma City game before the All-Star break. And I'm with you. There was a couple ugly plays. He missed the layup. He had no business missing. There was another another play defensively. It was like, what was that? I mean, you know, he's. He's made. I think he's turned turned the ball over in the in the backcourt once. But okay, he's working back rust. I mean, well, you know, he's working off rust, and he's he's in a situation right now where he's trying to make up for so much time that he's been off the floor, healthy or unhealthy. I get that, but the little things, even you know, the Sacramento game comes to mind. The shooting, like Kyra, gives you something, especially when you are when you are kind of when you have so much fog going on offensively. His speed just does you does you wonders. Him being, yeah. I just think you have to want to use that and stick to it. And I don't get even after adding Josh Richardson, why or you know getting some other ones, so some other guys back healthy, why you go away from that? Because you don't have anybody else on the team that can create some of those elements. And right now, your main focus with Zion being out and CJ probably battling with a thumb that he's going to need surgery on in the offseason. Um, you should be trying to find ways to free those guys up. And why, when you have that kind of that dude that I think was playing better and defensively was playing really well, just being active, being in the right place, being st- being able to stay in front, long arms, it just it, it felt like a no brainer to continue to give that men well to give that guy minutes, and it just it just hasn't happened. So I don't know what the plan is there, have, but hopefully now. And this isn't to say that, you know, Jose doesn't just, you know, um, I'm not wishing for Jose to be uh, out out for the year. We'll see how long, you know, I hope he comes back. Yeah, soon. Factors are tough. Right. You know, and then Josh Richardson, I think it's questionable tonight in the Portland game. But, yo, this is the perfect opportunity. And I hope it's not just one of Kyra or Dyson. I hope that both those guys get a chance to go out there and play. This team needs anything else to be excited about. Fresh legs, youth, quickness, athleticism, whatever you can offer, they need it right now where they're currently at. Yeah, I mean, it's like a cheap way to generate offense. Like what he has is like a cheap – it doesn't require like um, much thought. You know, we saw it forever with Tyreek Evans, just like a guy who can collapse a defense and get to the rim creates so much, you know, even if he's not the one scoring, even if he's missing the layup. It, there's somebody, you know, you hopefully have somebody there that can get it and put it back. Yeah. Um, 
just pressuring the rim is just such an easy way to generate points, you know, and like, that's the, that's his best skill right now. And he's not going to get better if he doesn't play. So my thing is, if you're not going to put him in the game, let him go play in the G league so he can at least play, you know, and like, and like improve um, and build confidence. So then like when you're ready to play him, that he's ready to go. I mean, I, I don't actually think the confidence is a problem with him because when they put him in there, he's like ready to go. You know, he's not like hesitant, um, which is a great thing. You know, he's like, he's doing what we wished Lonzo ball would do like drive pressure and kick out, you know? Um, And, uh, and of course he's a lot, you know, he's a lot smaller, but he's a lot faster also. So, you know, um, I just, I just don't understand why they're not doing these things that are easy to generate offense, kicking it down to, JV and letting Kyra put pressure on the rim. Those things would get you points and they just seem to like not want to do that. And this team needs points after since making the, um, the, the Josh Richardson trade, you know, post post all-star break and inserting Josh Richardson into the starting lineup. They have two games where they've scored under a hundred points in 2023, which even if you try to do, in this in this league in this era, it's it's almost impossible. You know, yeah. you got to find a way to generate to to generate some offense, and that 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 will save you so much frustration and so much. Uh, it just will make life easier for you. And right now, team, I think in a lot of ways is making things a lot more difficult than themselves. Even Antonio Daniels said it. He said basketball isn't as difficult as the Pelicans are making it look right. right of course, yeah, <laughs> like they're not doing any. They're not doing themselves any favors. And like. <laughs> and like, you know, I think it was uh, Jeremy J. Dub, you know, I think he said it. It's like you can't play. You can't play Josh Richardson and Herb Jones together and give up one hundred and thirty points like because yeah. like they're, the not, they're not doing they're not doing anything offensively and they're not better defensively. They're worse defensively. So and one of the problems with that is because they're constantly playing transition defense, you know, and then the other night against the it was it the Knicks game, right? Yeah. Like we were in <laughs> the Knicks scored multiple times while we were on a fast break. I, I've never right. seen that. That that was insane. Like that was just it was just ridiculous. And like again, keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like but I saw, I mean, you guys, uh, I don't know if it was Justin or if it was somebody else using the Propels talk account, but they tweeted out like what would be your starting lineup um, uh, until Zion comes back. What would, what would you say? Oh, if I, if I had the keys, oh man. Oh, oh, okay. Cause I, I didn't even answer it. If, if I, if I had the keys, cause I'm just, I'm weird. I, I will go Dyson, CJ, Brandon, Trey, Hurt. That's exactly that's, mine too. That, that's just exactly like just go mine. weird. Like just, try. You're not, if you're if you're not going to use Joe Jonas, like when right now he's hurt. What's the but point? Like do yeah. point? Just don't. Just just don't. Herb's a solid a solid screener. You I mean you already yeah. like you already go into um, rebounding struggles. Um, if Jonas if, if when Jonas is off the floor, sometimes you all you know you have to gang rebound at that point. Punt it at that point. Punt the rebounding. Make life make life hell for you know for um, the team that you're going against being able to um, switch everything defend. I just right. I like I like Dyson's ability too. It's not that I I think um, I think Josh actually gives you more off the bench as well um, than he does in the starting lineup because he doesn't get the ball like he like you know he shot I think three times last last game which was crazy like he shot he shot the ball three or four times that's nuts nah put him let him come off the bench he can close some games but let him come in off the bench have an opportunity to really make some plays happen being the point being the focus the primary individual we saw in that laker game we saw in the thunder game he had really good really good games just being free and being able to attack and have the ball in his hands uh versus he's a veteran so his first instinct is going to be to get like he's been on a lot of winning teams he knows that the ball needs to go through these guys. He understands the you know right or wrong politics and that side of that side of the game. Mm-hmm. Bring him off the bench, but um, but even if you say start J- uh, uh, Richardson over Dyson, I'm cool. The main switch that I would that I would bring to Texas a lot is to take more pressure off of her 
and and of everything that you have going on in your lineup right now is I, I would I would move I'm with you I move Herb down to uh to center and bring Jonas in off the bench and then maybe having Jonas and J, and, and and Jay Rich together um come in and stagger some best lineups maybe that helps both of them out because if one guy since he's been here is gonna find a way to give find a way to get Jonas the ball I've seen Richardson do it repeatedly yeah I mean and the other thing is like now you have like an easy excuse to work that in because Jonas is banged up. So tonight yeah. would be the if they don't do it tonight, they're not going to do it. They're not going to. Um, no, 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 listen, they're not going to do it. Yeah, I hope but, they. And, yeah, of course. And, I mean, and like you, you have you, that gives you two, well, really two shooters, three good scorers, and four guys who can switch and CJ. So like that's that's good, you know, and and like. Bi's not an amazing defender, but he's an adequate defender. So, er- but everybody else there is a really good defender. Um, so, I, I, to me, that's what I would experiment right now. Like, what do you have to lose? I mean, you're been terrible for months, you know. Yeah, I mean, or I mean, look, if you if you believe in 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 the magic that was that was last year and bringing in and not the Orlando Magic, I don't know why I said that. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I guess you should before you we magic. move on. Have you seen? Uh, you ever you see this Netflix show? It's called uh, "I Think You Should Leave." It's like this really weird sketch comedy show. You're either gonna love it no. or hate it. Uh-uh. Uh But there's like this. You go and find. Uh, you, uh, you have Netflix, right? Yeah. So go and find the episode where there's a sketch about the magician, and it's like that is us against the magic. Like, <laughs> like that we can't beat the magic and the magic totally disrespects us. And like, (laughs) we lose uh, all credibility, all respect from our loved ones, uh, you know, over a silly magic act. I mean, I mean, I've, you know, ironically right now, you know, we always, anytime we talk um, about, about Atlanta, we, we talk about your favorite, your favorite episode, which is, which is the damn, the damn barbershop, the Mm -hmm. barbershop one. Uh, where everything is getting there, there's a there's a wild goose chase that's being done between um paperboy and his barber and i mean it takes until like the last minute for him to get a haircut and it's just, it was so it was it's so it's so it's so simple but yet it's made a lot more difficult than it has to be i, I think i see a lot of those parallels in the right now what they're doing to themselves yeah. like <laughs> but yo man like um yeah, I mean, I'm with you, man. I, I just want, um, like, okay, like, even if you go back to, if the theory is, we'll go back to the starting lineup that got us to the playoffs last year without Zion. Okay. I mean, I, I may have better ideas, but, like, right now, you should not be stuck on any idea. You shouldn't be stuck yeah. on any plan. No, no switch should be too stubborn for you to be able to make because no, nothing you're doing is working right now. So game you definitely shouldn't be stuck on what you've been doing. It's not working. Right. It's not working. So whatever, whatever it is, people outside of Brandon and CJ, there should not be anybody else in the starting lineup that should feel safe. And it should be Jonas, but but if you're not using him properly four shots exactly. as well against against Orlando, he shouldn't feel safe either. He hasn't been safe when he's been playing. So outside of Brandon and CJ, with what I've seen and what they put out there and what's working was not working. No one else should feel safe. Not a single person that it should be a running. Like no, nobody should know who's, who's starting until 10 minutes before the game. So you figure it out. Yeah. I was kind of hoping, you know, like not because I'm out on Jonas, it's because I'm out on how they use Jonas. Like they would trade him at the deadline, you know, maybe in a three team deal or whatever, but to get somebody like Clint Capella, you know, like, Defensive rebound and screen setter guy who I think can work with Zion. People say they worry about the, the spacing with Zion, but he's a great rim runner. Um, and then you know you could have her. I mean, sorry, uh, Trey, Bi, CJ, and whoever else. You know, Zion kind of playing the point guard and and Capella, and I think you'd be fine. Um, yeah. But because I think that. I mean, look, if you're not going to use the guy to his strengths, he becomes a huge weakness to you. And that's why fans are turning on him. And it's not Jonas's fault. He's a really good basketball player. Like he's a technician in the post, you know. Um, He could get easy buckets for us right now, but they just will not 
get the ball to him in the post. Um, and repeatedly, repeatedly. I mean, that, that's the that's yeah. the thing. It's like a it's like a running game, and you know, in in the, in the NFL, you can't every 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 run isn't going to be a twenty plus yarder. Like sometimes, you know, it takes over and over and over again, like repeated uses of you know of someone in that case for them to find a rhythm and for them to really um, fill out their matchup in the post or or with those looks. And it can't be, you know, you, they're using Jonas like a change of pace back, and that's not his game. And it's a waste. Mm-hmm. It's a waste for him. It's a waste for the team. It's a waste of everybody's time. And I'm with you. He's giving you, you know, um, he's playing through all different types of shit night in and night out. Mm-hmm. He won't sit. If he if he mm-hmm. if he's 65 percent and maybe even less, Jonas is going to play. And right yeah. now you could question, you know, if I was him, I, 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 I mean, would you? You know, I mean, I couldn't. He, he's being a professional. He's doing the right, mature thing he's playing the game in which he loves that's all he knows how to do he's going to play yeah you know especially in the situation that you're in right now to have that dude leaving games with four shots and you're struggling for offense and struggling to generate anything just doesn't make any sense but i'm with you kev man um i um man it's, it's been an hour already which is crazy um Got to give a word for our sponsor here. This podcast is sponsored by Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Buku Media, located at 918 Poetry Street by the Superdome. Get them a call at 504-523-5413. If you or someone you know has been involved in an accident, and be sure to mention that we sent you Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Buku Media. Also got DraftKings Sportsbook down, down below. As always, guys, use the code BOOT when you sign up. Promos is always there. Five for 150, five for 200. They'll have some, I'm sure they'll have some baseball promos and basketball promos as the playoffs approach really, really soon. Use the code BOOT. It's who we use here at Boot Crew Media. Shop with us as always. Um, Kev, man, any closing remarks before we get out of here? Tell people where to find you at. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me at Kevin B for Bounce on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I haven't written anything in a long time. I don't think I will write anything ever again, but maybe we'll see. Uh, and you can find me like once every three months on a, on a bird calls podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've been focusing more a little bit on uh, art and graphic design. So that's, you know, that makes more money and is what I've went to school for. So it makes more sense for me to do that um, in terms of in my free time and my creative outlet. Um, but maybe one day I'll get back to writing if, you know, I find the right situation, but right now it's not there. Well, as always, I'm going to support you no matter, no matter what you're doing. Once again, one of my favorite people, one of my biggest, um, I guess, inspirations and helps in my, in my journey and kind of, um, start to get to even, even here. So this is, uh, you know, somebody, somebody I'm glad to call a friend, man. So if y'all, you know, y'all see Kevin in the streets, man, you know, my quest, there you go. (laughs) And you will. You will see me because after every game when you're leaving, I'm generally walking my dogs. <laughs> so you run into all the people leaving the arena because I live in the neighborhood. So you will see me, man. All right, so man. Well, hopefully, hopefully the Pelicans get back on track. Uh, you know, you know, tonight get a win. And yo, know, I I hope again by the time this comes out, I hope you guys enjoyed um the the Larry Nance conversation. Sit down. Hopefully it doesn't get too crazy. Awesome. Yeah, and I don't get suspended. Yeah. Um, well, he doesn't. He doesn't leave out upset, but I, yeah. I think it'll be good and it'll be um, fun for everybody, especially if they yeah. win tonight. Please take it easy on Larry. It's a good please, thing. please. I mean, he's already <laughs> in the sprained ankle. Don't give him a headache. All right, all right, y'all. As always, Najee.